Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. So one of the things that we're going to be doing is we're going to be having a discussion about John Owen's book, The Mortification of Sin. It's a great book. Uh, It was written many, many years ago. We're going to be using, uh, I've got the unabridged here, uh, and it's wonderful to read, but also we're going to be using the uh, modern English rendition by Aaron M. Wren. It's still by Owen. It's just interpreted into modern English by, uh, by Wren. So I think these books are going to be a blessing to God's people. We're not going to be able to do like a page-by-page, verse-by-verse. It's very heavy content and a lot of detail. So uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover in our small group, so we don't want to dedicate the entire time to like, like a book kind of thing. But what we are doing is encouraging people to get that book and read it. I think I bought mine for about $11 paperback. Uh, but if you don't like to read uh, and you want to listen, it's also available on like a Kindle or so that you can listen to it on the way to work. I want to exhort you to buy that book. And those of you that have already heard a Sunday school lesson by me about this topic of mortification of sin, this is not like a one and done kind of thing. This is our dedication of an entire life to living a godly life. And that must include putting sin to death in your life. So the question is this, how do we do that? We live in such a sinful world, we're bombarded with temptations at every turn. How in the world are we going to be able to achieve this? Well, let me just give you some good news right off the bat. Jesus Christ has achieved this for every believer And he has put the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives and our bodies that we might be able to live a life that steadily puts sin to death in our life. It's not, it's it's not, when we talk about good works, we're not talking about some type of human religion that is apart from Christ or apart from the Holy Spirit that that by the strength of human will uh, does good things, that There will be many people who've lived an entire life walking in their own flesh, trying to do do good works that that will break hell wide open. Or as the old pastors used to say, bust it wide open. Now we, we can do this, but we do this because of what Christ has done for us in the gifts that he's given us through grace. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. So turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse number 1. The title of my message is, if you're familiar with John Owen, is a first part of one of his other books called Death of Death and the Death of Christ. So today's title is Death of Death. What does this mean? What does it mean when the Bible talks about our death while we're alive? What does it mean when it talks about the death of Christ, what he has killed, what he has defeated, and, and what he has then given to us. This great thing that God has done. And I want you to have an overarching thought in your mind as you think about putting sin to death in your life that right now, maybe in your head, you're thinking, 
Brother George, I feel so beat down by my failures in this. I don't even know where to begin. And that may be your, may be your place today. There's two different people groups that might feel that way. One might be a Christian that is not doing their duty in living a holy life. The other might be that you're not a believer, that you are in fact lost, and that the guilt and the weight of sin that you feel is the beginning of the work of God in your heart to convict you of this sin, show you of your lost state, and draw you to Jesus Christ, who is the only hope. We do not live the Christian life by the strength of our flesh. We live it in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. So let's read Romans chapter 6, and let's read through verses 10, then we'll kind of stop there. We'll kind of back up a little bit and consider this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly, let that encourage you, brothers and sisters, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him. Why? in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. We're going to have a time of baptism coming very soon in the 1st of April. And baptism, like we enjoy with the Lord's Supper uh, each week, baptism tells a very beautiful picture. And one of those pictures that it tells is it tells of one's union with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that we're free from sin. That's what baptism depicts. We are free from sin. We've been risen with Christ to walk as a different person, to walk in a new life. And sometimes we hear that in the baptismal ceremony, right? Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Some say this, some don't. It's not magic, but to walk in newness of life. It's beautiful. 
I love the fact that our God has given us visual pictures of truth. We see it every sunrise, don't we? It's, he's coming again. There's a newness coming. We see it with the seasons, do we not? All our dogwoods and cherry trees are all budding out. What is that a picture if not a picture of the resurrection? A common creator of all things shows us the gospel everywhere we look. That's why the scripture says that man is without excuse because of what he can see in the natural world. He's without excuse. There is a God and God created this. And in this, uh, he tells a beautiful, beautiful story. First thing we can know about death is that death is the weapon that causes people to fear and be enslaved. And I was thinking about this, about death, as it relates to even kind of in the common themes of like entertainment. Where would a good horror movie be if there was no threat of death? Would you be scared? This person's coming, and when they come, they're going to give you chocolate chip cookies and milk. Okay, that's not really scary. Where they're going to prick your finger and draw your blood. No, that's not really scary either. Oh, they, they use death as a thing to really touch that deep fear within us, do they not? What's coming brings death. Why, is, why are war movies so terrifying? Because with it comes the threat of death. So it is with sin. And we were warned in the garden, don't disobey God because if you do, you will die. And so that is the condition of the fall with Adam and Eve. And they've passed that on to all of us, have they not? Before we became a believer, we were in sin and we were under the dominion of sin and death. And our bodies obeyed that ruler, because that's what is being personified here. Death is, sin is being personified as a tyrant that rules over a kingdom. And that kingdom, the fear or threat of that kingdom, if you step out of line, is death. It's a violent totalitarian regime. Isn't it amazing how the devil sows that, though? It's freedom. It's, it's, the, it's God's word. It's those religious people that are trying to enslave you. Sin all you want. That makes you free. We could just look around us, even if we're not a believer, and know that's a lie. Sin brings death. But Jesus destroyed the dominion of sin by his atoning death and resurrection. How is death put to death? It's put to death by Jesus Christ himself, by God killing sin. He's the original killer of sin. Did he not take his sin upon us and die on a cross, shed his blood so that he could put that sin to death? He did. Let's look at the passage right above that. So the Apostle Paul is, I love how he does this. He, he's, 
he's using a teaching style in chapter 6 where he says, what shall we then say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Well, why would he say that? Because in chapter 5, he's arguing the case that it is that keeping the law in and of itself does not expiate your sins. It won't, you can't, in other words, you can't do enough good works in your own effort to wipe away your sin debt before a holy God. And so Paul is concerned that he not be accused of antinomianism, and that is a, a phrase that means you're against the law. You're against the law. No, Christianity is not against the law. Jesus said he hasn't come to oppose the law. He's come to fulfill it, right? So we see, I want you to take a look in chapter 5, and let's look at verses 20 and 21. It's a brief summary. I think will help us understand chapter 6 a little bit better. It says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, meaning our sin. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a very, very wonderful statement as you consider putting sin to death in your life. Jesus put sin to death. What was death's, what was sin's reign over us? Death. The wages of sin is death. What is the wages of a life completely given over to Christ? It is righteousness. Any person that has been reading, one of the dangers of some theology that's out there is that it teaches the opposite. So some people want to preach about grace and sort of imply that if you are attentive to good works, that somehow you're trying to work your way to heaven. Well, that's not true. And Paul is trying to make the case here. He says, no, the law doesn't save you, but the law is good, right? The law is good. It brings us to Christ. But there's something characteristic about what Jesus did. Jesus put sin to death, and in doing so, he did that as a man completely devoid of sin. And when he was arose from the grave, he proved sin had no hold over him. Had no hold over him at all. Are we to continue in sin? It's a legitimate question. If I'm saved by grace, what does it matter? Well, it matters quite a bit. Because the characterization of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is righteousness. The characterization of his subjects are that they should pursue righteousness, that which is of interest and that which is vital to their king. So the king of sin, sin as a, if you can imagine sin in your life personified as a totalitarian dictator with the threat of death at every turn. Without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, our bodies, our mortal bodies were subject to this because of the sin nature that we had. We had no course but to just keep sinning, which leads to death and leads to eternal destruction in the lake of fire. Jesus killed sin for his people. He killed it. 
He put it to death with the death of his own body. With his resurrection, he showed his power and victory over sin and death. If you put that slide up for Colossians chapter 2, I want to show you something in Colossians chapter 2. So here's kind of a companion to that. We'll start in verse number 20. Colossians chapter 2. Verse 20, it says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? And it's referring to this condition of not living in faith, but trying to be obedient to rules and regulations. That's not uncommon today, is it? People don't want Jesus. They don't want Christ, but they want to be considered a good person. You ever heard somebody say that? Well, I'm not really all that involved. I don't consider myself a very religious person, but I am a good person. We all want to be considered good. The problem is, If you're not a believer, you are still under the tyranny of sin and death. And you are not a good person. You can't work yourself into being a good person. And the Bible says we were that way too before Christ saved us. We're not trying to create some sort of, you know, holy people versus people, normal people. No, we were all in the same condition until Christ saved us. Being here in the church is a great place to be. If you're lost, it's a great place to be because you can hear the words of life. It in and of itself is the grace of God on your life that you're here and you can hear this. But Colossians chapter 2 goes on and says, Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they're used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism in severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. In other words, no matter how much you beat yourself, starve yourself, put yourself in a monastery away from the modern world and cut yourself off from everything, no matter how hard you are on yourself, the problem is not outside the walls of the monastery, it's inside the heart, inside the walls of your own heart, your unregenerate heart. That's where the evil lies. So Jesus says that, that the sin comes from within and comes out of the mouth. So chapter 3 says, if then you have been raised with Christ, there's a condition here. And the condition is important because if you're not born again believer, you can't put sin to death. So that's a little judgy, isn't it? No, no, because we just established that Christ is the one who, who overthrew the tyrant of sin and death to usher in a new kingdom. If he is not your savior, then you do not have the Holy Spirit abiding in you and you are subject still to this tyrant of sin and death. So he says, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, now comes the directive. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore. Why? Because of what preceded, right? Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. And the list goes on. We do not have a choice to decide whether we will put sin to death. And that's a notion that's quite popular in the modern era as it was in the ancient era. You could be a good person and live any way you want to. What, are you not going to be glued to your phone every day? Are you not going to watch every video that someone else just happens to drop in front of your eyes? It's technology. Are you anti-technology? Right, we have all these, they're almost juvenile excuses for why we do what we do. Line that up against who Christ is, what he's done for us. That's why the apostle responds, shall we continue in sin? He says, no. May it never be. Why? Because this great thing that has occurred, we, sin and death has been overthrown. That tyrant in our life has been destroyed. We have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We have a fortress in us that God has given that we might be able to overcome sin in our life. But God wants us to do it. He wants us to put sin to death. Put to death what is earthly in you. Put sin to death. It is a requirement of the Christian life, but I want to encourage you, it is also what the Holy Spirit is doing in you by his own power every day. And you cannot put sin to death if you are not in cooperation and agreement with the Holy Spirit. can't put it to death by your own arms. It's got to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit, through attention to to the word of God and to prayer and to the practical things. And we won't get into that, but we will get into it in small group in talking about how do I take something that is is still a stronghold in my life? First things first, are you a believer? That needs to be flushed out. So we need to make make our calling and election sure, as the scripture says. Why do we need to do that? Because people have deceived themselves into thinking that if they pray a prayer, to receive Christ, but their life is non-stop commitment to sinning every time they want to. And they have an excuse for it. That somehow they're going to heaven when in reality the scripture says that is not evidence of a believer, it's evidence of the lost condition. It's evidence that you are still in slavery to this tyrant of sin and death. Look at verse number 8 as it relates to this statement. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. If we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. The resurrection 
is something that took place, but it's something that accomplished something. Pastor Jeff taught us in his preaching in Hebrews that that the cross achieved something. It achieved eternal salvation for us. That is, the, the full payment of the weight of sin was laid on Christ. His people's sins were laid on Christ. He achieved eternal salvation for us. What we're not, what we're not saying this morning, we want to make sure that it's clear. We're not saying that it's Jesus plus. What we're saying is, if you have Jesus, if you have the spirit of Christ in you, you have everything that you need to put sin to death. And I would even, I don't think it is any stretch from the text that we're looking at today, but also some of the, the text that we see in, in Colossians, that it's a necessity. It's something God is doing in you. It's something that must happen. It's not optional. Who would say, I want you to think about something just from a standpoint of, of, of what we consider logic. Who would put the thought into your head that putting sin to death is optional? Would that be Jesus who would do that? Who died for you? Who suffered the penalty of your sin, my sin? Would it be him who is the one that's telling you that you can feel confident that you are going to heaven, but at the same time live a life fully corrupted and controlled by sin? Who would it be? It would have to be our enemy. Because what does the enemy want for you? Degradation, destruction, death, shame, humiliation, loneliness, despair. That's all the enemy wants for us. He hates that we're created in the image of our God. And he wants to defile God at every step of the way. And that means he wants to defile us. And that's done through sin. Sin is not your friend. Sin is not your freedom. Sin is your shackle. It's my shackle. Jesus died to kill the power of sin in our life. To kill it. Verse number 10 in chapter 6 says, The life he lives, he lives to God. Let me ask you a very pointed question this morning. It's an important question. It's not one meant to be of accusation or one that's meant to be um, off-putting. It is one coming from a heart that loves you. Are you actively pursuing to live a life that mirrors the life of of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about the details of your life. Think about the sin that may be besetting you. You willing to give that up today? Because that's the beginning. The beginning is I don't want to sin this sin ever again. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I want God to kill this sin in me, whatever it may be. That's where it starts. It starts with the understanding that I've been saved to live a life like the risen Lord. That's why I was saved. 
to glorify him with my life. I have an enemy that daily, daily wants to reestablish his stronghold in my life. Believers must consider themselves dead to sin and alive to God. That has to be your daily, has to be my daily orientation when I wake up in the morning. Sin and death has been killed by Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus Christ. Today I'm killing sin. You see the alignment there? Do you see how that that fits the work of God in you and in me? That's that's why we were born again. We were born again to reflect his glory. It wasn't so that we have a better marriage or or that our personality becomes more marketable, we make more money. It has nothing to do with the material things that we're obsessed about in this life. It's about that we glorify God in our bodies, which are now belong to God. Now, the side effects to putting sin to death, guess what? Makes you a better husband. Makes you a better wife. Makes you a better son or daughter. or Makes you a better friend. Makes you a better brother. Makes you a better sister. It helps us to love one another as the body of Christ. There's all kinds of wonderful things that happen, but it's not glory to us. This glory belongs to God. So when people come in, they go, there's something very different about this place. The temptation of the human mind is to say, well, we don't like to brag, but of course we like to brag. It's human nature to be to, to brag. We love to brag. No, the reason why this place is different is because in humility, we seek to honor Jesus Christ with the things that we do, the way we act the way we're accountable to one another, the fact that we genuinely love one another from the heart, just like our own flesh and blood. We love these people like we love our own flesh and blood. These are eternal relationships that never end. Never end. Because when we die, if this body dies today, I will see you again in glory. And we will be together with the Lord forever. These relationships are permanent. Look at verses 11 through 14. It says, so, based on what he's already said about how we're no longer enslaved to sin, how that we're alive in Christ, right? Verse 11, so you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, because of what we've just read, don't let it reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Imagine yourself going into the political realm of this tyrant of sin. 
You have been set free. I have been set free by the, by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is now the conquering king. Imagine the craziness of us pursuing this fallen, broken tyrant walking into his new shabby halls of, of, his, of his broken rule and us saying, I present my body and myself to you. Let me serve you now. This is the imagery that he's trying to paint here. He's trying to help us to understand, this is not possible. Why would we do that? We have a glorious God and glorious king who saved us and delivered us from this tyrant. Why would we ever go back and offer ourselves as a servant to the tyrant again? Don't, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members, that which you have to offer in service, not to the tyrant, but your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin, and this is the blessing of this verse, this is not an instruction. This is a reality. This is stating something that is fact. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. You've been delivered. I've been delivered from sin. Hallelujah. Why would we ever go back and walk in that? Why would we do that? Do you see my point now about considering your own life and saying, now wait a minute here, am I a believer? Because I love sin and I really don't love Jesus. Dear one, that is a very dangerous place to be in your life. Your parents can't save you. Your grandparents can't save you. It is Jesus Christ who saves you. beauty is he will. He'll give you everything that you need for life and for righteousness. But do you really love this earth? Is it in you? Is this earth in you to a depth where you love it? I love this earth. I love it. I love this world system. I love it. In fact, what we're saying is I love the tyrant of sin. And I am offering my services to him in my life. It doesn't matter how beautiful the devil makes it. It doesn't matter if it's in high definition. It doesn't matter if it makes you cool. Or if everybody thinks you are in fact a genius for doing what you're doing. If you're doing something in your life that in fact displeases the Lord and is in fact sin, a violation of what God has clearly commanded you to do. You must kill it. You must kill it. The good news is God's given you everything in the indwelling Holy Spirit to do that very thing. To put it to death. I want to read you something from Galatians. 220. You don't have a lot of time left. But this is what most of us think about when we think about this idea of being crucified, right? 
Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly betrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? It's a very powerful text. A life that is not examined as it is famously said. It's not a life worth living. We are called to examine ourselves in the faith. We are called to be obedient to our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ did not set us free for debauchery. He did not set us free for an enslavement to a man-made religion of good works by our own physical arm of the flesh. That is not the gospel, friends. It is not the truth. The truth is he set us free to be slaves of righteousness. He delivered us from the tyranny of sin and death and ushered us into his kingdom of righteousness. We belong to him. I'm crucified with Christ. That flesh, that sinful part of me has been killed with Christ on the cross. Are you offering yourself this morning as an obedient slave to sin? I don't know your heart, but God does. Or are you fighting every morning when you get up to put sin to death? To avoid those things that trigger sinful ideas or sinful actions in you, or do you continue in the exact same habit that leads you down the pathway to sinning these same sins over and over again? If you're putting something to death, are you going to dig that corpse up and set it at your dinner table? What are we doing in our life to actually physically put sin to death? It's a valid question. The scriptures teach us in chapter, Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23, and we won't have time to go there, but I want to encourage you to read that today, this afternoon. Romans chapter 6, 15 through 23. Lawlessness leads to more lawlessness, shame, and death. Lawlessness leads to more lawlessness, shame, and death. If we are beholding something with our eyes, we should not behold, because it in of itself is sinfulness, it's lawlessness. If we keep doing it, it will only bring more lawlessness into our lives. 
You must put it to death. But thanks be to God, you and I have been free. We have been freed not to live a lascivious life. We have been freed to be slaves to the righteousness of God, to reflect his glory. You yourself know that have experienced this putting sin to death. What was the fruit of it? Was it not joy? Was it not a confidence that you belong to Jesus Christ? And what is that fruit of sin that we're ashamed of? Does it not make us feel separated from our God? Does it not make us wonder whether we were even converted? We must put sin to death. God has given us what we need to do it. I want to encourage you, church, alongside me, the person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you. Let's focus our Christian life on putting sin to death. Put it to death by the power of the Holy Spirit that is already in you. And if it's not in you, friend, you need to repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Humble yourself before Almighty God and he will lift you up. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Father, we're thankful that you love us, that you died for us. You conquered the tyrant of sin and death and ushered in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, a kingdom of righteousness. Lord, we know we have limitations in this life with living in this sinful body, but you have given us the Holy Spirit that we might fight every day to continue to put to death sin in our life. Lord, give us the strength of faith, increase our faith, so that we might be able to accomplish this as we await deliverance from this sinful body. You're coming again, and when you come again, You're going to deliver us from the body, this broken, sinful body, and we will have a body, a glorious body that will never sin again, that will be freed completely. Lord, may we long, may we we work and serve you and offer up our members, offer up our bodies, our, our talents, everything we have offered up to you as our new king. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us when we turn again to a defeated foe and we offer up our service to this defeated tyrant. God, help us. Make this something that we face daily. May it be something we rejoice in. And as we put sin to death in agreement by the power of the Holy Spirit in agreement with your word, Lord, may we experience the joy that comes from seeing sin put to death in our mortal bodies. We ask these things in Jesus' name.